What's up, bikers? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream episode 105. And this week we're having a little impromptu middle of the week episode, but hey, I'm not going to complain because we have great guests today. That's Garmin. If you haven't uh, haven't got the notification on YouTube or Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Speaking of Instagram and Facebook, if you're not following me over there, you should probably stop by and give me a follow. And then you'd, you would get these notifications ahead of time. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. But if you really want to help support the channel, like Mark and Jeremy last week did, they went by Patreon and signed up over there. You can give me a little little extra tip like like paying the uh, the bartender for pouring your beer at the biker bar. That's a dollar a month. It doesn't cost too much. 12 bucks a year. You can save some money on the coupons that are up there that I have with the different vendors that we've worked with over the years. Or you could throw a little bit more at me, help fill up the beer fridge. Five bucks a month, get a sticker pack, get a handwritten letter, and um, make sure that there's enough IPA in there to hopefully take down a couple of uh, heavy drinkers or maybe my friends. <laughs> Nonetheless, I uh, don't want to spend too much time on the intros because don't have a lot of time today. So we're going to go ahead and bring our guests back on here. And let's see if I can do this without messing it up. There we go. How's it going? We have Stephanie and I'm going to mess it up. Mark, Matt? Yes. Matt. Matt. Yes. I, I'm trying to get to the screen and talk at the same time. I'm like, yeah. it's not working. Okay. <laughs> it happens every day. I get called Max, Map, Matt. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's you should so try Try making your your YouTube name spelled B one K E R and find out how many people call you different things other than biker. Oh, for real, <laughs> touche. So, hey, first of all, I really appreciate you guys coming on and getting on the show. I'm really excited to, to talk with you guys. I've been an, I've been a longtime Garmin fan, so I, I definitely am am excited about this. Um, so those of you guys that are listening, there's two two guests from Garmin. We have Stephanie and Matt. And uh, Stephanie, could you give us a little intro and then uh, Matt as well? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We are very much looking forward to, to chatting with you today about Garmin and all the exciting products we have to offer. Um, my name is Stephanie Schultz. I've been with Garmin for about five years now. Um, I'm part of the PR team and I focus on all of our fitness products. So our forerunner line of running watches, our all of our great cycling devices, um, and work very closely with Matt. So I'll hand it over. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Matt, M-A-T-T, not MAP. Uh, Matt, Matt Bates. I uh, am in charge of global marketing for Garmin Fitness, which includes running, cycling, um and so yeah I, anything cycling related comes across my desk and work with stephanie on the pr side social media and then all of the offices globally right on are you guys cyclists or runners or hikers what, what, what's what do you guys like to do for fun uh i i'm multidisciplined. um it, it depending on the time of year i either you know classify myself as a cyclist or a runner um so uh, right now I'm in the middle of a training block for a full marathon. So I'm working on that side, but normally I ride my bike a whole lot more. Oh, nice. I have more oh, bikes than running shoes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and we both just finished half marathons. Um, and I actually just bought a new road bike. So trying to get more into that and, um, especially as indoor season comes, take advantage of tax and what they all have to offer too. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where are you guys located at? We're based in uh, a suburb of Kansas City. It's called Olathe, oh. Kansas. Um, so we're about 20 minutes from Kansas City. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we're fortunate out here in Northern California. We just get that, you know, cycle all year kind of weather and right on. Can't, can't complain about that too much. I used to be a, a, a runner a lot. And um, for whatever reason, I have, have not been doing that as much. I've been thinking about picking it back up. 
good luck on the the marathon training. I, that's definitely a feat. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I uh, I've been running. I mean, for many many years, and I've never run a full. And just here recently, I was like, I think I can get one done by February, and then get back on my bike and start training for our Garmin Unbound gravel race out in Emporia. Oh, so wow. I'm kind of jumping back and forth. So I gotta yeah, yeah. gotta get it done because that other training block starts right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I recently decided that I want to do a 10,000 foot day. So Ooh. like on the bike and, and the mountain bike at that. So I, I've been training a bunch for that. And um, actually, while you mentioned the, the gravel that you're doing, I noticed like when I first started with like using the Garmin GPS stuff, you had basically the edge line for cyclists and that was it. And um, now you guys have like a lot of different products. I, I would say at the point where it starts to get almost like confusing on like, which one should I, I pick? Do you guys have something that's specific for the, the gravel now, the Edge Explorer, is that correct? Um, yeah, we do have the Edge Explorer. Um, that is, you know, historically when we launched that, that was probably what, four years ago. Mm -hmm. That was primarily, the audience for that was primarily those folks that are going out on like weekend adventures and they're taking like a tour from, the vineyard from here to here, like Northern uh, Sonoma, okay. like Sonoma, California, that is that crowd. Yeah. We're thinking about like the true cyclists that want navigation. That is really in our, that's our, our core edge line, which is like the edge 530, 830, 1030 series. Right. So when you go to like unbound gravel or you go out, uh, you know, and you're out on the dirt, typically you're going to see one of, it's probably like, 530 is kind of that sweet spot for most right. cyclists. Um, and that's, it's small in size and that's easy. You can pop it off your gravel bike and put it on the stem of your mountain bike. Right. Which is what I do because the 1030, which is a little bigger, it fits perfect on gravel bikes and road bikes, but stems and mountain bikes, it's a little bit too big. Yeah. Whereas a 530 or 830 is perfect for that. Yeah, I used to use the 530 line or whatever yeah. it's been over the years. I think it used to be 520 and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, somewhere along the line, I, I broke that one. And uh, I ended up opting in for the, just the 130 because I like, for me, because I'm a YouTuber, I, I didn't want to take up so much of the, let's just call it the the real estate on the screen with, with yeah. that big screen there. And most of the time, I'm not really paying attention to it too much while I'm riding. But um, I can still get all the the detail that I, I really like from that product because it, it, it blows my mind. I mean, I think I have it set to like seven fields and I can still see them all very clearly, which I wouldn't have expected for something that size. Yeah. Um, through, through those different lines, I'm not exactly sure what the difference between the 530 and the 830 is. Is that just size or? No, so the 530, 830 are, they're basically siblings. And the mm -hmm. 530 is a button, button driven device. So uh -huh. if you want to scroll through the screens, you have to press the up or down buttons that are on the left hand Got side it. of the, the device. Got it. Whereas the 830 is a touch screen, but it's essentially the same exact device. In addition to touch screen, with the 830, you're getting just a little bit more um, rerouting on your navigation on your map screen. You can do a few more reroute features just because it is a touchscreen. So if you have to change something, just do it on the device. Whereas the 530, if you go off course and you want to reroute, you have to go onto your phone, stop, you know, the whole deal. Um, so there's just a couple minor things. And 
really it, it it's personal preference if you want buttons or touchscreen. Um, it, yeah. Other yeah. than that, it's for all intents and purposes the same device. They have the same I battery. Think a while back. Go ahead. Same, same screen, everything. Yeah. I think a while back the five thirty, maybe it was when it was the five twenty. Like it came with the touchscreen and the the buttons. And I remember I ended up swapping back to the one with the buttons because for me with gloves and stuff and maybe gloves are better now they they're but I, I remember having issues with like trying to get it to do what i wanted or like with the the screen like when you're standing over your your bike sometimes maybe your shirt or your belly or something like that like i carried a yep. good belly on me <laughs> would bump it you know and then i would i would like turn something off or whatever and i really like that tactile feeling of, of the, the buttons instead yeah so then I I think one thing that, you know, I would agree because that's why I was using the 530 for a long time is I like to be able to, to feel the buttons and know exactly what was going to happen right. over the, the last few years. And it was the with the 830 for sure and 530 even for that matter. They changed the actual material of the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so a different manufacturer. So it's sensitive, but not that sensitive that your shirt, when it swipes over it, it moves. So like most gloves have that tacky kind of fingertips yeah. now so those you can just swipe through screen super clean and if your shirt goes over the top it shouldn't change anything unless you're like on a lot of cycling kits you know there's the tacky material on the inside of the shirt like if for some reason that were to hit it yes it would change but like your t-shirt shouldn't do anything at, at so this point more not the same problems then anymore Correct. every and year then, better and better yeah right I, I can't believe how much they've changed from, I think the one I had originally was like a 310. Does that sound right? It was like, it was uh, kind of like an oblong, like it was a probably about the size of the 1030, but definitely didn't have the feature set. Yes. Yes. That sounds correct. Uh, yeah. they, they've come along. That was, <laughs> you might as well put that on the dash in your, your car because that's essentially what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, it, it was pretty, pretty. <laughs> so, so once you go to the 1030, then, um, that's obviously got some, something more to it than the 530 and 830 other than size. Yes. So that is the 1030 series is really the flagship series of all of our devices. And so if you look back at the timeline, so I'm going to quick little history and then we'll uh, directly answer the question. So the 1030 came out, was the flagship is the flagship. And then we launched the 530 and 830. Those were really a little bit better just because the internal guts, like the processor on them is better. And people that were riding with the 1030, and you you can appreciate this, when you're following a course, it's like you get your turn-by-turn -turn notifications, which is amazing if you're riding in someplace new. It's like, hey, left turn in 200 yards, left turn in 100 yards. Sometimes with the older legacy products, if you're flying, you're you're on that turn before you get the notification. And then it's like you have to stop, turn around, go. Well, when the 530 and 830 came out with that new process, you're actually getting those turn by turn notifications in a timely manner. So unless you're doing 40 miles an hour down a like a road or a trail, which most people mm -hmm. don't, you'll get the turn by turn notifications in a timely manner in a timely manner. So going back to your question. 1030 series has all the best features we can offer from cycling dynamics, uh, power, recovery, training load, navigation. Like 
if you want a navigation feature, every single thing possible is in that 1030 series. Cycling dynamics were reserved for the, the 1030. We've started cascading those down to the 530 and 830. Then we get to the launch of the 1030 plus and really a big component with that device is adding a lot of our safety features, mm-hmm. particularly incident detection uh, and assistance. So mm-hmm. in the mountain biking world, incident detection is kind of an inherent risk. So by default, that feature is turned off. Mm-hmm. For road cyclists, for example, if you've got incident detection live, which it is, and you've got it set up and Garmin Connect and so on and so forth, If you're out and let's say you hit a curb and whatever happens, there's a notification that pops up on your screen that says, hey, do you want me to contact your, your, or notify your contact list? If you, and it's counting down from like 15, if you don't turn it off, your contact list is going to get a text notification saying, hey, Matt's down or needs help. Here's the GPS. Here's a link. They can pop it open. It shows up in, in, you know, maps yet google maps where they where you are with exact coordinates so for example like i have my wife and my best friend set up and they know if that goes off they need to call me if i don't answer they need to call emergency services and say hey i'm down yeah Um, and i think it's it's just to be clear for for people that are listening and aren't familiar with this this works through your cell phone though so if you're a mountain biker out in an area that's remote and no signal, this isn't going to work. Correct. And yeah. it's, I, I've used, I, I do a lot of riding myself. I go out to the mountains quite a bit. And so you, you know, this, when you're riding and you hit, you know, you're hitting a bunch of steps and it's just, you're jumping ro- roots and rocks and, this yeah. and that. incident detection is going to go off like crazy. Like, and you're going to get a lot of false positive or a lot of false reading. So I just shut it off. Yeah. And I did the same it's kind of one of those, like, it's darned if you do, darned if you don't, because when you need it, it will be shut off on the device. So <laughs> hopefully you have your, like, you, you got to have your phone close by. Yeah. Like, yeah. Otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy all day long. Just stop, shut it off or cancel. Like, so, but if you're out and you're truly doing some single track riding, right. And it's nice rollers and you're just, you're kind of doing some adventure riding, but not like full enduro turn it back on because if you do, you know, fly over the handlebars or something happens and you're, you really truly need it, it will work. Yeah, it definitely works. The first time that it, I I had it on, I don't remember what device I had and I had it on and I, God knows how long it was on before I actually like triggered it. Right. And whenever it happened, I'm like, you know, like I went over the bars, I'm like trying to get myself situated. I'm upside down or whatever, you know? And then, then there's this like, it's like a sonar ting almost that it puts off like an audible yeah and i'm like i'm like what the hell is going on you know it's like i didn't know what it was and then i finally i realized what it was then i was like i don't know how to turn it off next thing you know the lady's like calling me she's like oh my god are you okay (laughs) there's this whole we just had a meeting about there's this whole level of just panic of like oh my gosh what do i do right now and everybody like everybody goes through that you'll you'll get past it but yeah it's there when you need it yeah, no, definitely, definitely there when you need it. Um, I, I was impressed by the feature, but like you said, I ended up turning it off just because of um, other times when it, it got triggered on its own. And I, I think, you know, when you're not mountain biking, like road riding or something like that, like it makes way more sense to, to use 
Um, and then depending on where you live too, as far as mountain biking goes, I know there's lots of areas where they're more, more smooth riding or more XC type of riding. And, and, um, that's, it's a good feature to have. I think in segue then, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about your in reach product though, yes. which is, um, for people that aren't familiar, that is, I'll let you actually explain. It's more like kind of like a sat, sat phone almost, you're you're ninety percent of the way there. It's yeah. just satellite communication. Um, I don't have one here. Actually, I do have one. So it's just a little satellite communicator, and it's truly. It's you know when you think about all the people that get they're under avalanches or they're they are out remote. This is what they're using to call people for help or just to check in. Um, this truly does not. You're not using your phone. Your phone's going to be shut off, stored away somewhere else. This is what people use. And it's it's kind of, you know, depending on which version you get. It's like old school texting, like hit the mm -hmm. number seven three times to get the letter I and so on and so yeah. forth. But at least you can communicate with your family of like, hey, just checking in. I'm out on this fishing boat out in the middle of the Pacific and we're having a great time fishing. Yeah. Or if you go remote backcountry, same thing. What a lot of people do is because it comes with a little carabiner. They clip it onto their pack or their their camelback or whatever their their water system is. So it's right here. Um, so that way, if something does happen, they can just reach. And all you have to do is press and hold a button. And you're literally going to communicate to, um, it's called the Garmin IERCC. So it's the International Emergency Response System. So you're truly talking to emergency services. Oh, so wow. we get um, periodically we get notified when people are rescued by search and rescue. So if somebody's down in a canyon and they use their inReach, we receive those stories. So we can see oh, wow. exactly what happened, the communication. Um, so when people we have, you know, people come to us and say, hey, I'm going out to do this super sweet expedition wherever. Yep. You need an inReach. Or, you know, like even closer to home where we have, you know, we we're talking about the Garmin Unbound Gravel Race. There's the 200 distance, 200 mile distance, and then the 350 mile distance. All of the 350 milers are using some sort of satellite communication. Uh, probably 95% of them are using a Garmin inReach Mini um, for that very reason. Um, yeah, the mini is the one that looked the most appealing to me because it's really yeah. small. And, and if from what I saw, um, it has some like prefabricated texts, I believe. So you don't because that one doesn't have a keypad or a screen. So you can kind of just be like, I'm down or I'm safe or like some ones that are like pre set up. So those of you that are watching, he has on the screen. Those of you guys that are listening, it's like, I don't know what to compare that to. Um, Maybe um, like the old flip phones when they were closed. About well, it's, that not even, it's not even that big. I, yeah. I I can't even describe it. Like here's smaller than the palm of his hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, I'm a tall guy, but here's an iPhone. Yeah. Here's how here's how small. And then here's an Edge 530. We we're talking like we have a general understanding how big that yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's smaller than the edge, minus the antenna. And the minus antenna, the antenna is really, smaller than the edge. Yeah. So what a lot of people they literally are just clipping it here or they have a front little something here that's just right there all the time yeah so so those of you listening he's pointing at like his uh shoulder where yeah maybe the strap to your camel back would be or across right. your chest or something like that yeah. 
the, the thing's really, really small. I, I thought that was pretty, um, like that to me is what would mean the most is like a having it somewhere where it's going to be reachable. You know, if you put that inside of your bag and you, you like got yourself in a upside down, stuck behind a rock or something, you're not gonna be able to get to it. So yeah. obviously you want to put it somewhere you can get to it. Yeah. And then, um, the, the one thing that I didn't know, so that thing, I, I don't remember what the retail is on it, but is there like a subscription fee that you pay for that at that point afterwards? Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple options there. Um, there is a month to month, which I think it's $19.99 per month. And $19.99 a month gets you unlimited access. And unlimited means you can text back and forth with, you know, your your spouse or your your best friend till your heart, like till you're done for the day. You can carry on a full conversation, mm-hmm. no data limits. Um, or you get the annual subscription, which it's actually cheaper to do that per month. Um, but if, and I don't remember the cost off the top of my head, um, I'd have to look mm-hmm. that up, but it's, it's like half the, half the price. Right. Um, but if you're one of those folks where you're really only going to use it a couple times a month for your long distance riding, or you have a trip and then you're going to be at home for the next six months working and you know, it's just mm-hmm. going to stay on the shelf, just go month to month. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's options for both. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it would be like, it would make sense just to probably do month to month because during the summer is when I'm riding up in the mountains in Tahoe more where I'm outside of the yeah, yeah, yeah. cell range. But then during the winter, that's when I'm more down here in the Valley and kind of, you know, not, not really in a spot where it would matter as much. So it's good to know that there's some different plans there on, on how, how you can do that. So um, just so I understand. So that the mini though, it does have the prefabricated text messages. Can you still type your own on that somehow yes. or? Yeah, oh, wow. absolutely. And it's that, like I said, it's kind of that old school texting where you do have to hit yeah. it's like your old flip phone. Like it's that yeah. type of texting, but there are pre-canned messages in there of like, just go find it. There's one that's like, yep, I'm fine. See you at yeah. dinner or something like that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. just some easy, easy answered ones. Yes. Right on. Um, I wanted to ask also, I'm going to jump around a bunch cause that's just the way I'm, I'm like shiny ball over here. <laughs> all good. We, um, we deal with squirrels all day long. Sweet. <laughs> I'm right. I'm with my people then. Um, I, I'm sure you probably get this question a lot. You have two different people out with the same device or a different device. And why do we end up with like one guy did an extra thousand feet elevation of climbing versus another guy? It, are are the like GPS sensors in all the devices the same or is there like different levels of accuracy or what kind of what, what does that? Um, so I'll, I'll give you my non-engineering answer. Uh, okay. So typically like the GPS sensor, like it's the same sensor, but it's like anything else. There's always going to be a little bit of variance from the manufacturer, but it's mm-hmm. as close as possible. But think about it like this. If Stephanie and I were to go out for a bike ride, we leave at the exact same spot, the exact same time we ride side by side, there's a certain amount of drift in the way we ride. Mm -hmm. So when we finish our activities, it might show that Stephanie went 10 miles and I went Mm 9.9. That's just because I wasn't truly in her exact line. There's just a little bit of variance there. So mm-hmm. wherever you drift and you're riding, there's always going to be a little bit of plus or minus there. Now, when you're going back to 
um, elevation, elevation is a fixed number. You either everybody goes up at the same distance or you don't. Right. It's mm-hmm. not like there's you're sitting at a higher plateau. That's where there's a little bit of variance just simply because like tree cover will mess with it sometimes. That has a big, a big, uh, how do I say this? Like that, that plays a big factor in this. If if there's just other environmental things that we just can't control, like if there's cloud cover, cloud cover just naturally plays with electricity, good or bad. So when Mm -hmm. you're sending sensor data up and down and it's clipping through the clouds, it could tweak with it just a little bit. So my one, my one buddy has a, I don't remember which Phoenix it is, but one of the Phoenix. So those of you guys that are listening, that's a, the watch. And then I, like I said earlier, run the 130, I think plus now. And um, I, on his watch, I believe he enabled something like 3D mapping or something like that. Yep. And we were wondering if that was what was like making us have such an inconsistency between the two of us. That'll play a factor in it. So the Phoenix has much better mapping than the edge 130 does and just simply mm-hmm. because it's almost it has a bigger battery and it has a bigger just engine in it than the 130 mm-hmm. the 130 is as strong as we can make it for an, a, a just a basic simple to use edge computer yeah. yeah um the the phoenix also has uh i don't want to say better antennas in there but it is ramped up for that backcountry user so the the engine is in it is a little bit stronger than an edge 130 for sure so 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 some of that comes down to power is what you're saying then basically like how much power you can use to yeah when you start like the edge the edge 130 plus or the edge 130 and the phoenix series um they both have gps they both have glonass which is additional satellite so they both have those um so that's apples to apples but when you start adding in the mapping elements, what Garmin devices will do, typically a Phoenix is paired to a phone and Garmin Connect behind the curtain is pinging your phone to see where it's basically leveraging your phone as an additional feature, or additional measure to get better location accuracy. Uh-huh. Whereas the Edge 130 doesn't have that mapping capability in there, it's it's breadcrumb, right. breadcrumb mapping. So it's still pinging the phone a little bit, but not as frequently as the Phoenix is. Oh, that, that makes make sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. That's interesting. That, that, that definitely um, kind of, now I have some, something that we can else that we can argue about on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those like it, you would think intuitively all devices with GPS would have comparable levels mm-hmm. of accuracy, but then it's where's the line of how big do you want the device? Yeah. How easy to use do you want to make the device? And as you're adding these things in, like he'll tell you, or you know this, like the Phoenix is three times as expensive as the Edge 130. Right, right. Well, you're you're kind of giving up some of these things and some of them are so subtle you didn't even know they were there like this what we were just describing yeah there's just there's there's a time and place for simple to easy to use here we go yeah and then if there's the i want more detailed mapping gps elevation you just inherently need to go up the line a little bit just to ensure because with those bigger devices comes bigger power 
Right, right. No, that to- totally makes sense. I mean, I, I, um, my day job is I do IT and I work for a, a company that programs ROVs that go to the bottom of the ocean. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm kind of familiar with the way that you know you're utilizing your power and thing, things of that nature. It totally makes sense to me. Um, what was I just going to say a second ago? We were talking about the differences in the models and I wanted to ask something that's totally, it'll come back to me <laughs> in the, in the meantime, while, while I try to, to remember what was going on there. Um, Stephanie, you mentioned that you were getting into road riding and I saw on the site that you guys have a product called Varia that actually has a radar device that I was pretty impressive pressed to, to see. Those of you guys that aren't familiar with that, it's a device that you can put, I guess, on your seat post so that you can know when people are coming up behind you. That's correct. Yes. So um, it has, I don't know if you guys can see that, Um, but yep, it's got uh, the light on it and then it does pick up. um, It has built in radar. So if you're using um, a compatible phone or edge device um, on the edge devices, you will see essentially little dots. Um, representing cars and vehicles that are coming up from behind. So um, not only does it flash and make drivers aware that you're there, but it also alerts you to drivers that are coming up from behind you. So um, it it doesn't seem like a a really big deal, but this is a really big deal for those road bike riders um, who are maybe in more populated areas or maybe not. Um, It's just something that I've sent to a lot of people that um, they have now come back and even customers have told us that they will not ride a bike without this. So um, this is something that is great for peace of mind, if nothing else, while you're on a ride. Right. So normally the light would just stay solid red, like while you're riding. And then if something gets close, then it blinks or you can kind of decide. Um, Yeah, you can decide. And it does flash more as cars are getting closer to you. So um, it's, a little bit of give and take both ways yeah well that's good then because it because ultimately i mean with drivers there's just complacency on what's going on around them so if you have the blinky light sometimes they like like what i use mine's not smart you know it's just the light blinking all the time the person can just tune that out but so if it's changing then it's something that kind of grabs your your attention as the driver so i i can see how that would be a big difference it it sorry i'm gonna Like it will truly change the way you ride your bike and you essentially become a distraction to the driver. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they're complacent or drinking coffee or talking on the phone or whatever the case may be. Um, As Stephanie said, you can change the settings, but like you can see on your edge device when a car is coming. So you know that you need, you know, head down or not head down, but eyes forward, stay your line because you can see up to 10 cars approaching. And oh, wow. you can actually uh, pair it to your Phoenix or your Forerunner or most of the Garmin wearables. So if you're wearing a watch, you know, when your hands on the your hands are on the hood of the bike, you can just roll your wrist a little bit and you can see what cars are coming. And you get an audible alert. So you you get a you get a, a beep so you you know to look down. Um, it detects cars up to 153 yards away, and it's oh, wow. daylight visible up to a mile away. So, you know, we live out in Kansas and we're out in these rollers and out of nowhere comes these big pickups and dump trucks and farm yeah. equipment. Like they can see us from a mile away. Like there's no reason why. Um, so, you know, road cyclists, we we hear from people anecdotally all the time that um, 
this is this is easily the most important accessory that they buy just for a safety perspective um whether it's e-bikers people commuting road cyclists e-bikes um it fits out fits on most stems like when you get into these really um aero tri bikes it gets a little tricky but other like mm-hmm. mountain bikes e-bikes road bikes doesn't matter yeah yeah so it just connects to the back of the the seat post basically though correct it's just yeah, a rubber yeah. band mount yeah right on then you also have in that varia line lights regular lights themselves like a head head mounted or handlebar mounted light Yep, the headlights. Um, same thing. It has daylight modes, nighttime modes, um, and just a, a really great tool for cyclists to have as well. And what, what are they all in like the same luminability? Is there different levels of that? Or so the the headlight is. It's called the name of it is the UT eight hundred. So that's urban and trail headlight. Okay. Um, it's UT eight hundred stands for eight hundred lumens. Right. So okay. when you're comparing it to all headlights. If, if everybody's being honest, once you turn headlights on and you're using them, your lumen in the battery just decreases with every passing second, right? Right. Well, with the UT800, it's 800 lumens for, I, I want to say it's like the first hour and then it starts to fall off. Most mm-hmm. other competitors aren't able to say that. Um, oh, okay. So. And we've done a lot of testing and we, you know, the legal teams and all that have done, have done all their due diligence. So, um, but yeah, 800 lumens to start for, I think it's the first hour to hour and a half, and then it slowly starts to fade off. Whereas some of these other companies boast 900 lumens, a thousand right. lumens, they're not getting a thousand lumens for the first, even 30 minutes. They're getting it for like the first five and then <laughs> it starts to degrade. Yeah. Yeah. So- Thing as with the radar, um, you can connect it to your computer and your cycling computer um, and control it through your edge. So um, that's just a great way to bring everything into our ecosystem into one spot, really. And I think and on the site, it also said something about how it can adjust for the light level or something. That's what I was just getting ready to say. So ambient <laughs> light you, through your edge, the ambient light sensor, it'll either turn it down a little bit lower because you don't need it uh, and then turn it back up. What it also does, and this is actually really, really cool. If you go do a lot of, uh, if you go out night riding out on some some trails, mm-hmm. as you start riding faster, the light will actually start to, the angle will raise up a little bit further to project further out normal oh, than wow. your normal line of sight. So as you're going faster, it's it goes out further because your natural line of sight is to start picking your line out further. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. And as you slow down, you can see it just kind of barely start to creep back down to like right where your normal line of sight would be. It's actually really intuitive that way. It's yeah, pretty- that's that's pretty interesting. What's the um what's the total time on the on the the battery? Is it like two hours? Uh, I wanted to say it was like up four to six. Mm, I think so. Yeah. Four to six hours. And then like four hours if you're running it on solid high. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have it on like daylight, um, daylight setting then it'll it'll get you up to six hours i mean four hours at 800 is pretty good well you're not gonna get four hours at 800 you're gonna get like an hour at 800 and then it starts but at like four hours you're gonna get like 600 lumens or something like that enough to get you that last yeah yeah i mean that's when i first started night riding if i had 
six, 700 lumens. I mean, yeah, I'm not going daylight speed, but yeah. I'm still being able to ride just fine. That's right. Um, so, and, and knowing that the first part of it is actually going to be a little, um, a little better than, than what you would expect with other lights from what you guys said, then, then that's, that's rad too. I mean, just like any mountain biker that's night riding, you're usually doing a little bit of like light discipline whenever you're, Hey, I'm going to climb this road for 30 minutes. You don't need it on high, you know? That's right. Um, that's right. Does, I have another question about that. Does, uh, the battery like hard shut off when it runs out or does it like drop down to like a limp mode before it turns off? Uh, it definitely goes into a battery saver mode and you can tell that some, like you're going to know that your light's dying. <laughs> right. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't just go straight dark. You're going to, yeah. you have an, you'll know. It's like, yeah, okay. I there, there's some brands that I've, I've used in the past and, and they'll go from still on to not on anymore. And that's shocking yeah. when you're like on a exposed part of trail or something. Yeah. Well, and that's the benefit to using it and having it paired to an edge because you're going to get a notification on your edge of like low battery power. Okay. In addition to you can tell the light is just wanting to die. So right, right. you're going to you you will absolutely know. But if you're just right. using the light by itself, you can tell by the amount of output that it's it's getting to the end. Would if you had more than one of those on your on your body or your kit, would that still all do they multiple link to your edge? Like I could have oh, one yeah. on my head and two on my yeah, you can, or something you like You can that. absolutely. I think you can have. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't. We work at Garmin, so we have multiple yeah. sensors and just stuff on our bikes, right? And right, right. <laughs> my edge. I was looking at my sensor list, and I have like twenty different sensors. Three right. of them are radars. So right. I don't think there's really a number. You just have to make sure you name them correctly, like helmet light, right? Light, backpack light, or whatever the case may be. So you yeah. can absolutely do that. Um, you can also have one in your pack, and then as one light dies, swap it out. Just make sure you name it correctly. But yeah, you should. I don't know what the capacity for the sensor count is because we load them up all yeah. the time. Sounds so, like it's good enough then. <laughs> yeah, it should be fine. I would imagine out of anybody listening, you guys probably have more Garmin devices than the rest of us. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little it's a little uh, obscene, yes. <laughs> but it's, so it's, I remembered my my question from earlier. Yep. Um, it was about bike profiles. So I know that I used to have bike profiles in the five hundred series, but I don't think they're on the one thirty series. Um, it, is that something that's still there on the other ones, or is it is it not there or you want me to go go for it yeah yeah it, bike bike profiles are on absolutely all the other um from the 530 forward and okay, actually yeah. the bike profiles have gotten more and more intuitive especially with the launch of the edge 1030 plus with that launch um we've done a couple of things specifically um when you're setting when you're pairing your edge to your phone through the process it's going to pull, like, let's just pretend you have an Edge 530 or even mm -hmm. your Edge 130 for that matter. Okay. You're setting up your 1030 plus to your phone. It's telling, it's asking you, do you want to pull your previously um, built activity profiles forward? Just say yes. So the way you have your data screen set up, sensors set up, all of your demographic information for you is going to be pulled forward. So it's right there. 
Oh, and then, cool. so like on the Edge 130, you only really have your main activity profile, but you can go in. There's, it's already preloaded with um, road, mountain, gravel, commuter. Uh, and then if you pair your device to an e-bike, it then brings mm-hmm. forward an e-bike profile. Um, you can set up multiple profiles. I think it's like up to 10 different profiles at this point. So on the plus, then that does change the screen between the road and the mountain. Then it does. Because so, oh, it, it used to not be a different profile. It was just like some field in when it uploaded or something like that. Yeah. It said it was a road ride or a mountain ride. If it either, if it, it'll ask you, like, do you want to bring your previously built profiles? Like, if your yeah. road and your mountain are different, they will show up differently the way you set them up. Yeah. If yeah. You just say no the profiles, the default profiles will be a little bit different. And what it's doing is it's pulling like through Garmin Connect and all of the activities uploaded and all of the users, it's looking at all the mountain bikers and saying, okay, here's the most common data field set up per screen. And Mm -hmm. so that's how we set them up. Typically the first screen is like distance, speed, and time. Because mountain bikers, that's really what they care about. Field two is typically elevation. And then mm-hmm. field three, there's a couple other things. For road, right out of the out of the box, it's like distance, time, speed, and uh, calories. I think, mm-hmm. or one of those other power. It's power. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they do it a little bit unique, either way. So most people, the benefit is like you've already got to set up to your bike. It's going to pull everything forward, including sensors. Mm-hmm. You say no, I'll just fix it later, or I'll mess with it later the default will, should look a little different. Right on. Yeah, that that's good. I, I was always wondering like if, cause you guys upload to Strava and um, I wasn't sure if whenever I chose road, I could actually get it to change what bike it says I'm riding on Strava because of that. Or does it um, not really like pass that information? I would have to, honestly, I haven't, I, it should pass that information. I know it passes it for the cycling computers. So I know. But I don't know if, if in Garmin, it actually, like when I say I'm doing a road ride, does mm-hmm. that have the actual bike selected or does in Garmin, it, in Garmin Connect, it does. It does. Oh, okay. I would have to verify in Strava if it shows my non Garmin gear that I've uploaded or I've yeah. adjusted in Garmin Connect. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. I see what you're saying um, there. Garmin devices, apps, it should show you're using an Edge 130, a power meter, a radar, whatever. It should show right. that. Right. Um, you, you had mentioned earlier about the turn-by-turn directions, and obviously I'm not using that on the, the 130. Um, but for the mountain bikers out there, you guys also have an integration with, with uh, Trail Forks, if I remember correctly? Correct. Is that so? Is that where you're getting the turn by turn directions from? Is from Trail Forks, or is it some kind of com- combination of that and Google Maps or something? Or it's it's a combination. Um, our we've had a long standing uh, business relationship with Here H E R E, which they work with Google Maps. Here uh-huh. is kind of the, the the base company. So our our tried and true base maps that we use across. P&D, which is automotive, cycling, this and that. Mm-hmm. We're getting that information from here. 
-hmm. Trail Forks, that relationship is really unique because they have a vast mapping system of courses. So mm -hmm. it kind of, if you're, if you're road cycling and you just hit start, stop, or you're downloading courses, probably not from Trail Forks. Right. On the mountain bike side, a lot of the, the courses, like if you go onto your edge 1030 and you're out at wherever, whatever trailhead, and right. you just open it and you, you want to look for, for routes that are close by and you're served up, you know, Bob's road or Bob's trail, or then you got Matt's trail, Stephanie's trail. Those are being pulled from trail forks. That's the, the, one of the biggest value is they, they've ridden the routes, they've mapped them. They can tell you based on your ability level, you know, think of it in terms of, you know, green, blue, blacks, blacks are the, the expert blues are the moderates, greens are the, you know, friendly, friendly ones. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Family so friendly ones, <laughs> the, the familiar ones. That's right. Um, not as not as technical. So that's kind of the difference. Like for mountain bikes specifically, the the courses that are preloaded or that appear on the device, we're pulling those from Trail Forks. If you don't use one of those courses and you go out and you hit start, stop, or you get a course from Strava or from one of your buddies, that's leveraging here, which is a part of Google Maps. So it's kind of two different worlds. Yeah, yeah. We just try to serve it up in a way that is seamless for the riders. Um, and there's no... Go ahead. No, I was oh, just... we'll, we'll just keep... Uh, we'll just go back and we'll, we'll Rochambeau for who's next. <laughs> and then there's also a connection between the Garmin and Strava as well, where you can get like segment notifications as well, right? That's correct. Um, if you have a premium subscription with Strava uh -huh. uh, and you go into Strava and you star, star a segment, as soon as Garmin Connect and Strava, basically as soon as you sync and it's even sync your device, it will appear on your device. So when you go out and ride, um, it'll just pop up and like, hey, there's a segment alert in 100 yards. And you can choose to ignore it or you can actually ride it. And It'll pop up in your Strava feed. When we go out and ride or, you know, I don't know if you've probably noticed this. Um, I kind of shut off a lot of my my segments. There's just so many. Like, it's just a yeah. lot of beeping and a lot of chirp. I don't like my computer yelling at me. So, right, right. Uh, but what you'll find in your Strava feed is even if you shut them off, those those segments still appear there. Right. So um, if you're not a, subs a premium subscriber. Now, if the value of going in and, and getting that subscription is you can go in and get other features with Strava, but then you can star it and it's basically telling your edge or your watch or whatever the case may be, your, your forerunner, alert me every time. I want to know this particular one. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. you, you do that on the Strava on, side. On the Strava side. Okay. Yeah. Strava side. That's, that's good to know because there's a couple of, of, of segments where I'm like, that's really the only one I'm like edge, like excited to see, yep. you know, and maybe sometimes I'm doing a loop where I'm going to do that same route a couple of times. And instead of right now, what I do is I stop my ride, upload it so I can like yeah. see what my time was. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I got to do it again. You know? Yeah. And that's the value. Like go in and star that. And then uh -huh. you're, I'm, you're, you're a premium subscriber, I'm assuming. So yeah. you'll get notifications. If you're, if you're the king of the hill or the queen of the hill, Mm -hmm. kudos 
as soon as you get knocked off, you'll get an alert saying, Hey, by the way, you're no longer King of the Hill or Mm -hmm. one of the, have you seen their local legends feature? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Um, it's the same kind of notification you can set up. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. Um, I'm I'm assuming this is going to be along the same lines of the, the, uh, the, um, GPS question that I had earlier is on the heart rate monitors. I noticed that I use, uh, I think this one is the Vivo smart. It's like just this little like thin one that you can, that you can wear. It's kind of more of an activity tracker, mm-hmm. but it has a heart rate in it. And if I remember correctly, you could still pair it to your, your edge or something like that and get heart rate off of it. And I, and I felt like the heart rate on the watch or on that wearable compared to like, if I was using a heart rate monitor, they didn't seem to like sync up. Is there a big difference between the the heart rate monitor that you wear or the watch or the, the like, I think you get the gist of where I'm going there. If, um, what we recommend is if you're, you're really interested in heart rate data and you are really trying to use that for your training to go with a a strap. So, Mm -hmm. um, we have a couple of new straps, HRM pro, um, HRM dual run and swim is still out there, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do have a couple, uh, heart rate straps that we recommend. Um, obviously as we get newer generations of watches, the heart rate data gets a little bit better just because we're using newer sensors. Um, so yeah, it's, it's give or take, they're never going to be, um, exact and they're never going to be perfect. But if you're really looking for strong heart rate data for training and other purposes, we definitely recommend the heart rate strap. So uh, does the heart rate strap have a sensor in it that helps to like also calculate the VO2 max, or is that only on the, the watches that you have? Go for it. <laughs> okay, so VO2 max um, is a is a combination of a couple of things. So when you're cycling, you have to have heart rate and be using a power meter. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, oh, it won't, otherwise it won't calculate VO2 max. On the running okay. side of the world, you can use the heart rate sensor in your watch, but you also have to have GPS mm-hmm. because it has to be able to calculate your speed and kind of your your power behind that mm-hmm. to generate that information. So you're not going to drive VO2 max just from a heart rate sensor. You Got have to, you have to pair it with something else. Well, I, and, if you, and if you're not paired with that, you're getting a, I don't want to call it a generic VO2 max. You're getting, um, you're getting a VO2 max that's good enough, but it's not yeah. perfect. Right. If you continue to ride with a heart rate, a heart rate strap and a power meter over and over and over then you're getting the most accurate information. So I saw on your site, you have the rally line of power meters. Those are basically all pedal based. So you had like awesome. the two different variations of the speed, SPD, Shimano SPD pedal. And I think the look pedal too, if I remember as well. Yes, we have the, so for the the mountain bikers uh, or off-roaders, gravelers, it's the Shimano SPD pedal. And then on the road side, we have the Look Kio pedal, but then we launched the Shimano SPDSL pedal mm-hmm. um, because in road cycling or road riding, most people have one of two types of cleats. It's either right. the Look Kio or the Shimano SPDSL. So that's for the road side. And then the, the Shimano SPD is, is most common. The, the rally pedals, um, I wouldn't use them for enduro riding. But for single track mountain biking, 
graveling, off-roading, they are amazing. Mm -hmm. So is that for, for the reason you say not to use them for Enduro, just they're going to get banged up and then stop working or like? Um, there's, there's a couple things. Yes, they will get banged up. Um, so they've done a lot of rigorous testing on it. There's some amazing videos out there. Like literally they did some crash testing on rocks, like on this machine. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> the unknown variable there is the different weights in the impacts of the riders. Mm -hmm. So somebody's taking, you know, they're jumping off a, a, you know, a wooden bridge and it's a 10 foot drop should be okay. Depending on the weight, the rider's weight, right. they take a 20 foot drop, different, different ball game. So there's yeah. no way to test all that variability. So the right. pedals can just snap. Oh, and that's wow. where we don't want to put people in a position where we're going to snap the pedals and then just bad stuff's going to happen. So there's right. no way to test for that without making the pedal body steel. And then you're adding weight and all this other mm -hmm. stuff that just people don't want. Right, so we right. had to be a little realistic, but for all intents and purposes, single track riding out through the mountains of Colorado or California or Utah or whatever. Perfect. Right. So until you get into like doing big drops or something like that, then, then that would yeah. be something. To worry I'd, about. I'd be a little, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But you know, teach their own, right? Yeah. yeah. Somebody's somebody will do it. And yeah. Can you link a power meter that's not a Garmin power meter up to, to your stuff? Or is that the, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, our, our products are amp plus, which is the majority of power meters out there. Um, if you're thinking like crank based or other sort of, uh, sensor based power meters, yeah, it's amp plus or rally in the instance of, um, the edges, they're also Bluetooth. So if there's those occasional um, power meters that are Bluetooth, yes to both. Got it. Got it. And then I think the same thing goes with the heart rate monitors too. It's like you could have like a, a heart rate monitor from any company as long as it's AMP plus you can link that up. That's correct. You had mentioned earlier that there's different heart rate monitors. I um when I got the 130 plus recently, it came with one. I don't know which one I have. What, what, is, what is the difference in the, the wearable chest heart rate monitors that you mentioned earlier? Um, yeah, so there's uh, just a couple differences based on use cases. Um, HRM run will give you running dynamics. Um, so it, you know, if we're interested in talking about that, we can definitely go more into that. Um, but the our newest one is the HRM Pro. And so that does have the AMP Plus and BLE connection, um, meaning that you can connect it to um, indoor trainers or um, compatible gym equipment. And so um, it's going to broadcast your heart rate in Zwift um, and stuff. So that's a, a little bit more important for people that are maybe doing year round training. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a, a big difference there. Um, and then some of them, um, the, the differences are in materials. So we have the HRM swim that is made with um, some materials so it doesn't come off in, during pool swimming. Um, mm -hmm. So it just, um, yeah, a little, a couple little differences here and there. Um, the HRM Pro is our newest one. Um, and we're really proud of that one. Right on. Sorry, I was looking up to see which one you had. Um, you have the HRM Dual. Um, so uh -huh. the HRM Dual has both AMP Plus and BLE. So you, uh -huh. if you are riding indoors and you want to use Zwift or one of those third parties, that's that's the benefit because you can connect your heart rate monitor directly to that app on your iPad or phone or whatever the case may be. Some of the older generations before that, it's just straight AMP Plus. Yeah. The one that I was using, honestly, I've had for... 
I, it came with the Edge 310 that I had. I've oh, had that okay. thing for over 10 years. Yeah, I've had to replace the, the, the band a couple of times. And when I was ordering, it was like $10 more for the heart rate monitor. I was like, you know what? I bet you they've upgraded the technology in that thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we've come a long ways. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about the, the, the wearables a little bit here. So I, I mentioned earlier that I used the Vivo Smart. And I like that one just because it's like, super unintrusive for like getting your daily steps and, and, um, and the other things like, I like to see the, the sleep metrics and things of that nature. And that is definitely way more comfortable to wear to bed than, than like a Phoenix is. Um, do you guys have like, I, I guess, I don't know what the question is that I'm, I'm trying to ask there, but basically let, let's, let's talk about them. So you have, the smart, which is real thin, those of you guys that are, were watching, um, you, you could see that on the screen. It's just real, real small, probably only about, I don't know, less than the width of a dime wide. And then you have also the Vivo Fit, which I think is, um, doesn't have any kind of like heart rate in it, right? It just is like more like step counter kind of, kind of thing, activity tracker. Yeah, those are your basic activity trackers. Um, and then as you get into more of the expensive Vivo line and venue line, you're going to get more features. Um, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let you go through um, the, yeah. the line and yeah, go from there. So the Vivo Fit, I thought was pretty impressive that you guys have a, a battery that'll last a year in that. Mm -hmm. so like you never have to charge it. Yes, correct. <laughs> that, that's super interesting. That's, I mean, that's really cool. Um, I, I guess on on the conversation of battery, whenever I was talking to you guys before the show, um, you had mentioned the new Phoenix has a solar option on it as well. Could you guys talk to me about that? Because that's that's pretty intriguing. Yeah, um, it's it's fairly new. I think um, within the past couple of years, we've introduced solar into the Phoenix series, um, and it is the Phoenix line is really made for those outdoor adventurers, so the hikers and the mountain bikers. Um, it has some snow and ski activities on it. So it's really made for those outdoor adventures. The materials, you know, are, are all very compatible with that. Um, but one of the new newer features on those is the solar charging. And so um, it just gives you a little bit of extra battery life. You know, I, I don't know the exact uh, measurements, but, um, you know, if you're outside for a couple hours, you get a little bit more bump on that battery life on your watch as you go. So that's just something that you would choose whenever you're selecting the the model that you want, whether or not it's solar or not. It's not like the baseline on all of them or something. Correct. Yeah, we have um, we have just Phoenix six series watches. So if you don't want the solar charging, you can go with that option. And then the solar charging option is Phoenix six series solar. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a little bit more expensive for the solar charging, but it pays off for for the people that have purchased it. Right. So, um, on the, the watches, I, I think the three that, that I, at least when I was looking at what would most intrigue me would be like the Phoenix, the instinct and the enduro. So the instinct was kind of marketed as like a little bit more rugged. Is, is there anything like feature set wise that that wouldn't have that you would be missing it from the Phoenix line? Or am I, yeah, no, the instinct, yeah, that was like the more, I think that was the military grade one or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to go? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so, yes, it, the instinct is a, it, it's a feature-rich device, but it's not going to have everything that the Phoenix line has. 
particularly the first thing you'll notice is the Phoenix has those premium materials. So it's like metal bezel, sapphire glass. Mm -hmm. It's bomb proof, right? Right. You go out, wreck, you're good to go. The Instinct is a plastic body and it has that black and gray screen, which is called an MIP screen or mm -hmm. an MIP display. So it's a, that's a little bit cheaper. It's a, it, it's just black and white. Mm -hmm. Navigational features are a little less than what you would get in the Phoenix. You can still, still download courses and you can follow your little map and get your turn by turn, but you're not going to get as many feature details on your navigation screen. Um, there's a few other just it, it's it's like the Phoenix. There's just not as many of those as features. It's comparable like the 1030 and the 830 that we were talking about. We left out a few mm -hmm. of the features in the 830 because you got to reserve right. it for the flagship. The right. Phoenix gets premium materials, all features. Instinct is still a fantastic device. It's just no metal bezel, no premium feature or uh, premium materials. Navigational features are just a smidge less. Um, but it's still that a great outdoor watch. Um, the Enduro is really not for the mountain bike crowd. That is really your ultra runner. It's there's no mapping, very few mapping features. It's just mm -hmm. all battery life. Like they re, they pulled out everything for mm -hmm. battery space. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really meant to download a course, follow the course, get your your speed, distance, and some of those data points um that's that's a really that's a that's a trail runner watch um so i mean for me though i, I still felt like it was relevant if like I, if i i don't ever use personally i don't use my garments for any kind of mapping mm -hmm. um i really just want to capture data yep. that i can look at later and yep. that watch still then would be doing gps and uploading yep. strava it would still tell me like how fast I was going at a certain part when I'm looking at my data later, like, it, it, it would still have all of those. And I think that's the part where um, overall and that, I guess I wanted to know with all the different watches, like, are you, cause it seems like they all have the ability to capture bike. It is, it really just like bells and whistles as far as like what the feature set is on each one of the watches or is there a difference in any of the sensors or something like that along the different ones? Cause I mean, you had one on there. It looks like an iWatch basically. Yeah. Like, so that's a great question. So when you're thinking, when you're moving from like the venue series, which is kind of the, the older sibling or the bigger sibling to the Vivo smart or Vivo fit, mm -hmm. those don't pair to, to, to cycling sensors, the radars, mm -hmm. the cadence, speed sensors, so on and so forth. As you move up the line, they do. So like, for example, um, the Phoenix line, when you're connecting to a power meter, you're getting all your power meter data. You're, you're still getting your speed, distance, elevation, all of those things. The Enduro, you'll get your speed, distance, um, elevation. And you can do all this, you know, you'll get all of your activity feed, but it doesn't like connect to a power meter, for example, or it doesn't connect to some of these other sensors, which may or may not matter to you. So it's, yes, you're, you're correct. Depending on the device, it, you may not get the full breadth, breadth of X sensor, sensor data. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like 
some people are gonna, you know, they they want all the bells and whistles. They, you know, they want to they're they're gonna want you know whatever the top of the line thing is. And some people are also gonna maybe on the other end just look for like, hey, I want the cheapest way that I can get some GPS data. And and what is that? You know, and and I I wasn't sure as far as the wearables went, like whether or not every one of those watches would be capturing all the bike stuff the same yeah. as far as like elevation. Yeah. Stuff like one that. one way to think about it is with your like Phoenix Instinct Enduro, and then you get into like the Venue line, for example. Mm-hmm. On the Phoenix, when you go into the bike activity profile, that's comparable to like it's not quite an Edge Five Thirty in terms of mm-hmm. your data set. It's just a smidge less. It's a little more than the Edge One Thirty, but it's not quite the high end of the line. Whereas like the in instinct, I want to say the bike activity profile is comparable to an edge 130. When we get into like the venue or the, you know, the Vivo actives and you look at the bike activity profile, it's like, it's comparable to a couple edges we had a few years ago that are just mm-hmm. truly speed distance. Um, maybe compare to a speed sensor or cadence sensor won't, you know, mm-hmm. it, then it gets into what other sensors it can or cannot is, is, or is not compatible with, if that makes sense. Right. 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 On the Phoenix on the Phoenix, that is, it's pretty darn close to an edge 530 mm-hmm. uh, in terms of functionality. And I think okay. uh, if I, if I could just butt in real quick, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, something that's important to think about when you're maybe deciding to purchase a wearable is the stuff outside of the activities too, that can help with your training. So um, whether it's a a venue or a Phoenix, um, um, there's a lot of variance between the the devices as Matt has been saying, but a lot of these devices, we've been working really hard to include things like sleep data and sleep metrics and stress and um, things that can be monitored 24 seven that can still help with your training or your rides um, but that's still outside of all the activity profiles and all the cool stuff that you get in those activity profiles. Yeah, that that's interesting. That's definitely interesting. You mentioned also the stress thing, which um, I, I wanted to touch base on as well. How is that calculated? Like when I finish a ride, it tells me like, you need this much recovery time. Like what's going into that? You want to expand, you know? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a... There's a lot of there's a lot of variables in that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like heart rate, the heart rate sensors. It's continually mm-hmm. being improved. So I'll start out with that. Okay. <laughs> so when we go into the re- when we look at recovery time, it's looking at um, your heart rate throughout the activity, your your average and your maximum. Then it's looking at the exertion level. So it gives you a training load number at the end of it. Is like it, and that's a perceived effort, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's taking, it's looking at just hard data. It's not looking at elements like it it does look at elevation, but it doesn't account for things like wind, Mm -hmm. the heat, the cold and other just factors. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to give you a very close approximation of like, just looking at the black and white data in theory, you should be 24 hours of recovery. Or in some mm-hmm. instances, it's so oh, you need 72. And we know that's not right. Yeah. It's just there's other factors there, outside variables off the device that I can't factor. So I'm giving you a very bland answer to no, that's, all right. that's 
it's kind of one of the, it's, it's really perceived effort in mm -hmm. the device. That's in going back to the heart rate monitor question. If you have your heart rate monitor paired to your device or your, your wrist-based sensor paired to your edge, and then you have like a power meter paired to your edge, like the more information and data it can pull, it's giving you more accurate synopsis of what you just did. So mm -hmm. then it can say, hey, yeah, you really do need 72 hours. Is it, uh, is it also like touching base on like what other, your other activities were? Like if I ran a 5k in the morning and then rode 20 miles, is 100%. it still, okay. So it's not just basing it off of what I just did. It's looking at in some of the newer devices. And again, we have to say new or some yeah. of the newer because some of the newer ones, there's, there's gotta be a line in the sand. The newer right. devices are looking at your, as long as you're wearing your device all day long, all night long, mm -hmm. it's looking at the quality of your sleep. It's looking at your activities all day long. So if you're in a 5K or you went for a long walk with the dog, you just, you're stressed out from work. Just, it's looking at everything. It's trying to get a complete picture to say, hey, no, you need 72 hours because you just had a rough day, not just a rough <laughs> ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, or on the flip side, it's, you had a great night, great night of sleep. You had a pretty good ride, but you got to work. You're having a cool, good day. You're getting stuff done. Mm. You could actually improve your recovery time throughout the day. Just having, you know, solid sleep, solid food, just solid everything or things are spaced out appropriately. It, mm -hmm. it could, it's plus or minus both way, but it's really giving you a complete picture of you and your day. Got it. Yeah. There's um. so basically the more, Garmin devices that you have, the better, the better it's going to be at, at kind of telling you um, what's going on or, or whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Once you're in the ecosystem, the more you can do to feed it, the better uh -huh. information you are going to get about yourself. Right. Right. So um, I guess um, over time, if you, if you have a bunch of the devices, then you're going to build a better profile. And one way that you could do that or another way that you could add to your profile would be through, you guys have a smart scale as well. And that is, um, I think recently it had been upgraded as well. Um, can you talk to, to the scale a little? Um, yeah. so... <laughs> I can, I, I, I got gen one. I don't have gen two. Uh, yeah. I recently upgraded to gen two and I, I can they're, definitely, they're hard to get. that's how popular they are. Like they're tough to get. Yeah. Those are pretty popular. Um, and still are. Yeah. So, um, it, it provides some great information, you know, uh, body weights, obviously composition, stuff like that. Um, and it talks to your, your watches and your devices. Um, I, yeah, I, they're pretty smart. They're pretty intuitive. Um, I don't personally have one, so um, I'll, I'll let Matt kind of explain. <laughs> yeah, at least, again, I, I don't have Gen 2. I, I can look it up really quick. But, yeah, so you get your the basics. You get your weight, but you also get your body mass index, your water weight, bone density. Um, it, it's the, the metrics you get from a scale, it's actually kind of, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's really cool to see. It's like, oh. Here's my, you know, my BMI day over day. And as you start working with, if, if you're in a training plan or a training block and you're working with a coach, you can actually use that information to help scale and impact your training. Um, you know, a lot of coaches, 
particularly, you know, swimmers are really, really sensitive to their, to their BMI. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that data point is really, really important. So yes, you're, when you, I look at my scale every night, I hop on in my, my scale, one scale, you can have up to, um, I want to say it was 16 different profiles. So you could have one for every family member, or if you're a coach, you can get up to like 16 of your athletes on there. Mm-hmm. And when I step on it and it syncs through Wi-Fi, it goes right to my Garmin Connect account. And it's just another data field in Garmin Connect. Just it's sitting right next to my daily heart rate. And I can see every day up, down, the variance yeah. in the last four weeks, seven weeks, year, whatever. Um, and I'm trying to think what other information in there. It's just, it's having. So if the- you have a, I think I can fill in a little bit there. If you have a Garmin Connect account, basically, yeah. which you would have if you're using a Garmin device. I know when I added the lady, like basically, um, I just sent her an invite and she says yeah. yes. And then her name comes up on the screen. You can like tap your foot on the, the scale and it changes to whoever's name it is. Correct. And so it's smart in that that aspect as well, that when she stands on the, the scale, they know or it's smart enough to realize like that's not Rob, you know, like yeah. and, and 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 changes to her as well. The thing I really like about the new one is that um, the, it gives you some historical uh, data on the screen now. So like when I step on my weight changes, it shows me like a little graph of like where I'm, I'm at. Whereas before I would have to log on to my app first to, to kind of see the historical data. So that's pretty cool. And I think the thing that I also like, or another thing that I like about it is it shows your, your hydration level. So your like water, comp- water, I don't know what you call it. So, yeah, but um, that would always be one if you have if you have a regular digital scale or a regular scale that you're standing on. Like sometimes you're like, oh well, am I dehydrated? Is that why I'm showing like five pounds less than I was, you know, two hours ago or something like that? I know um, I've seen that kind of fluctuation in weight where it's like, yeah, you go out and you you do a four hour ride, you could come back and stand on that scale and it looks like you lost ten pounds, but come morning, it's that's feeling, isn't it? Right. You know, so like, yeah, you can feel great about yourself until the next morning when you're hydrated and you see it's like, you know, back up to 50% hydration level. You're like, oh, okay. Well, that was me just not, you know, having anything to drink. Yeah. So, um, truly, I I think I want to ask you guys, I mean, we're getting here pretty close to, to wrapping up. Um, Stephanie, what's your, your favorite device? What do you, what do you like to use? Um, Gosh, that's a really good question. I am a big fan of our wearables. Um, Like I said, I I handle our Forerunner line. Um, So it's really built for runners, triathletes, but it does have a lot of great cycling, um, cycling activity profiles and cycling data available on it. Um, It's just an all around, you know, we create our wearables to be worn 24 seven. And like I said, with the the information that you can get 24 seven, I feel like that's a really great training tool. Um, It provides some other tools if you are interested in doing uh, running things. So if you want to train for a half marathon, you get some of that feedback too from the watch. So it's just a great reason to keep it on 24 seven and get some of that data that maybe you wouldn't have even received years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. When you're switching in between devices. So like, let's say I wear my Phoenix all day. And then at the end of the day, I, I, I throw on the, the, the smart one, the little thin one. So before I go to sleep or something like that, it just syncs that data whenever. And it doesn't really like, it doesn't, kind of miss a beat as far as that goes? 
Correct. If you have them both connected to Garmin Connect, um, you can interchange them and, and they'll just kind of sync over. Just make sure in the settings you have the Physio True Off turned on. Yes. Okay, I have to check, take a look for that. And then as far as um, like, does it compile the data somehow if you're using the edge and a heart rate monitor and but you maybe had your, your watch on still like the because it uploads them both, it's not going to show it as like two or is that going to show it as as one? Actually. So it, it, it'll there's a there's definitely a parent and child relationship there. So when you're going out, because I, I wear my watch 24 seven, and then when I go out and turn my edge on and I have a heart rate monitor, it's pulling the data from the edge because that becomes the parent it says, Got it. Hey, the edge is then paired to the heart rate monitor because the heart rate monitor is the parent between that and the heart rate sensor. So mm -hmm. there's there's logic put in place to say, oh, heart rate sensor parent. If what device is what device did the did Matt hit start? That's mm -hmm. the parent. So if I were to hit start on my watch and then I just have a screen on my edge or it's just turned on for whatever reason, the watch becomes the parent. So mm -hmm. like particularly in the indoor training environment, if you ever, you know, ride a tax train or something, that's where that logic comes. But to answer your question, it's it's typically the device you hit start and stop on. That's the parent. Got it. Got it. And then, How about you, Matt? What What are you looking forward to in the uh, in the Garmin space? What am I looking forward to? Yeah. Um, well, Garmin's an innovative company, um, uh -huh. and so you know, last year or two last year we came out with Solar. Um, so I think there's a lot of really cool applications there. I think what we're doing on our edges with the mapping functionality, the turn by turn, and just the, the things that we're doing um, with our devices are really, really exciting. I just, I like being able to use one device for everything. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I travel, I take my edge, I take my radar and I take my pedals and they're perfect travel on accessories mm -hmm. on the plane. Right. Right. Um, I don't have one thing in particular. I just, I like, it's not true. I like that the Garmin Connect app is getting better and better mm -hmm. because as Stephanie was talking about earlier, there's the, you know, daily suggested workouts. So a lot of people trying to find what to do today is really confusing and time consuming and frustrating. And at Garmin, you know, the, the crew here is making them more intuitive and better every day. So I like that. I like, Mm -hmm. they're just it's just easy it's just yeah. easy to use like i'm a lot of people are just they're they're time constrained and they want to just go out and go and so if they yeah. have to just, you know fiddle it's just not worth it and garmin products have just gotten a lot easier to use and so i look forward to that of like just hit power just yeah. turn on <laughs> like, yeah just go yeah, I, I like the integration that you guys are doing with other third-party companies as well. Yeah. Like the, the integration with with Strava or with Trail Forks, like yeah. it it shows that you're like, at least from my perspective, that you're you're interested in the community of people and how they're using your devices instead of like, hey, we only want you to use Garmin Connect to look at your ride. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. hey, lots of people want to use Strava, and we recognize that, and yeah. we're gonna like you know make make that work as well. So. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about what the customers want and it's their yeah. bike. It's their bike ride. And it's, you know, we're just engineering products on the inside so you can use them outside. 
Right. Well, Stephanie, Matt, um, I really, really appreciate the time that you guys uh, gave to us today. And uh, if any of you guys have any questions that are listening on or watching on YouTube, go ahead and throw them down in the comments. I'll do my best to answer those. If you guys have have not already hit the subscribe button, please hit the subscribe button or the thumbs up if you enjoyed this. If you really want to help out the channel, do me a favor, swing by my Patreon, or you could even stop by this, the, the biker website, b1ker.com and pick up some uh, some cool shirts or other merch that I have over there. Um, once again, Stephanie, Matt, thank you guys so, so much for taking the time to, to chat with us today about all the products. I was really excited to have this conversation and um, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Hope you guys had a good time too. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. We appreciate really appreciate it. it. All right. All you guys listening out there, remember one thing. If there's only one thing that you remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.